Hey gang, it's Freedom Decoded. My name is Demir. This is my wife, Carrie. We ditched the nine to five and created freedom in our own life. And now we help other people do the same. You can check out more about us at lifehackmethod.com. This is our podcast where we let our hair down and get a chance to talk about some of the ideas um, and things that we're excited about as well as our lifestyle. So let's get started. Today, we're going to be talking about reclaiming focus, getting superhuman focus. And we've talked about this topic a lot, um, you know, in our trainings, in Lifehack Tribe, our community. Today, we're going to zero in, I think, on something a little bit more advanced, right? Yes, exactly. It's about how we can create focus with less effort. Because one of the things that has been bothering us for the last few months in particular has been our culture's emphasis on how you need to sort of like use willpower to create focus. Like, okay, focus is like a muscle. So that means you just gotta like try really, really hard to get into focus and stay focused no matter what. And what we're now seeing is that it's less about willpower. And and I'll admit that I was one of those people who got completely swept away in the idea of it's about willpower. It's about discipline. It's about grit and determination. And, and I think what's so enticing and seductive about that idea is although it's totally wrong, it plays right into how we want to think about ourselves. Right. We want to think about ourselves as strong, as independent, as the master of our ship, you know, courageously navigating through the choppy waters. Uh, but it doesn't gel with reality. Right, exactly. Because if willpower then is also a muscle, sort of like focus, then what we're seeing is it's like it's a very small muscle. It's like your index finger. Like it's a muscle, but it's like a finesse tool. It's not going to be as ever as big as your bicep. You're not going to lift a refrigerator up a flight of stairs with <laughs> with your in. No, no matter how much you try, it's just not going to happen. And, and and I love the index finger analogy because I do think that willpower is a precision tool, right. just like your index finger. I mean, we don't, we definitely don't want to live without it, right? I mean, right. it might not be powerful, but it's important, right? So, so willpower is super important, but it's not going to do the bulk of the heavy lifting. So what is? Right, exactly. So what we're seeing now is something that's called enriched environments and how much your environment is what's going to just allow you to focus in the way that you want if you create that environment. And so we want to talk a little bit more today about enriched environments, which is something that we read about in Willpower Doesn't Work uh, by Benjamin Hardy. Yeah. We found it really, really interesting because uh, you know willpower is not going to get you all the way there. Your environment is going to get you about 80% of the way there. And then willpower takes over. I love this analogy of a fish swimming in a river. And you could be swimming with the current or you could be swimming against the current. And I think the best analogy for a great reinforcing, or he calls it enriched environment, is that you're swimming with the current. Now, here's the trick. When you're swimming with the current, your, your feeling is that it's you. Right. You're feeling like, I'm killing it today. Boy, I'm going so fast. I can go wherever I want. It's just the current is pushing behind you so powerfully that although you still have the sensation that you're in control, in truth, so much of the power that is behind you is actually coming from the environment itself. Yeah, totally. It's almost like, to take another analogy, it's almost like when rich people become like even more rich and they're like, look how good I did. You're like, but you were already rich. 
And so like that, that's, you know, success almost like begets success. Exactly. So much easier than when you're starting from zero. Yeah, man, that's so true. So, so what I love about this concept of enriched environments, and we're going to break it down and define what it is for anybody who hasn't, who doesn't know what it is. But what I love about this concept is it has a duality built into it. And the duality of great accountability environments is that great accountability environments do exert positive pressure on you. Notice I said positive pressure, not negative pressure. But great accountability environments have a positive pressure they're exerting on you, but you feel it makes you feel like you want to do it. Right. And this is where I think people get really twisted. They think about negative accountability environments. If you don't turn that thing in or do that thing you said you were going to do, you need to do 50 burpees right, right now. Right, 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 like, right. You will experience some pain or shame or guilt. That doesn't create what we call intrinsic motivation. Exactly. So what you're talking about right now is eustress, which is a type of positive stress that the right enriched environment can create, which actually it does come from your environment. But like you said, you have the sensation that it's coming from you as your internal motivation to do the thing that's going to benefit you the most rather than it coming from around you. But it's actually coming from around you. Which is weird because uh, so many times, and you know this, we did a, a huge round of interviews where we were researching accountability environments that worked and accountability environments that didn't work. You know, the, so many people would say, no, I don't think I've been in an accountability environment that worked. And I would say, okay, that's cool. Have you ever done anything that really blew you away? Like, did you ever really blow yourself away? And they'd say, oh yeah, when I was in college, I had, you know, a job and I also was on rugby team and I, I was the star player and all this kind of stuff. And then when I dug in, the truth is they did have an accountability environment. They just didn't associate it as being connected to their success. They saw through the through the lens of the, looking into the past, that it was all them. That was all me. I just rocked at that point. And that's fine and everything. I'm not trying to take your glory away from you. But then those very same people say, well, what's wrong with me? Back in the past, I was able to do this amazing thing. I could focus. I could do a lot of work. I could perform at my highest level. But now here in the present, I lost my mojo. And it's like, no, you didn't. You had an enriched environment around you but you didn't really like understand what it was. Exactly. And now it's up to us to create those enriched environments because for, you know, when you were talking about that, I was thinking about my college experience, how literally everyone was rooting for me. It's like, I've got food being made for me in the cafeteria. I've got all my professors trying to teach me things. I've got people coming from companies just to interview my classmates and I, you know, everything was lined up for and the me. the message, right? Wasn't the message, you're going to be great in the future. Who tells us that? No, no one tells us that. Now, like, there's no food being, you know, made for me. There's, there's nobody coming to interview me for things without me going and getting them to interview me. You know, I have to do all of these things for myself in order to have then those results. And in college, guess what I thought? I was like, I'm so great. Look at all these great yeah, results how, I'm getting. Look how much I'm killing it. I'm killing the game. It's like the truth was I was in an enriched environment. It was extremely privileged. Well, can I add one more to that? The other thing is college is structured. There's a linear structure. Take these courses. You will get this degree. You know you've succeeded in the course when you get a score from A to F. I mean, we don't. there's nobody in our life structuring our game in a linear way and giving us grades and yeah. patting us on the back and saying, you're a straight A student. It's like, <laughs> no, you just have to sort of slog through a bunch of these different responsibilities. So absolutely, that was a massive enriched environment. So we've used this term a lot. Let's define it. Right. 
So the first two attributes I'll take, and then you take you take the next couple ones. So the first one would be that it has high difficulty level or challenge, right? And of course, this makes sense because we look back in our life and the times when we did our the best, we weren't just working on puny problems. We were being stretched to our capacity. It also has high novelty in the sense that, wow, this is really interesting. It's really um, exciting to solve these, these problems. What else does it have? Well, another one would be there's a high consequence for poor performance. So for example, you might've invested a lot of money paying a, a coach to help you and you don't wanna sort of squander that investment by not giving it your all and giving it your best shot while you're in that program. Or the same thing with if it's a, your business, maybe there's a high consequence of you losing a bunch of money or something like that. Or you've invested in a program like college or even graduate school or medical school. And if you don't succeed, then you lose all that money. So that's a high consequence. Now, another type of consequence, which I think is so novel that he broke it out, is this idea of social pressure. And social pressure is a consequence, but it's a different type of one. We're, we're really wired to want to maintain our status in the group. So a good example is um, a lot of people in my high school who are part of the water polo team, they weren't that in love with water polo, but they wanted to be part of the jock crew that all their friends were in. So right. it's like, all my friends are in water polo. So they got up early and practiced hard and, and frankly got really good at water polo, but you know, they didn't keep practicing after college. I mean, frankly, it was really a social scene more than anything. So we, we noticed that when we're in these groups performing at high levels, all aimed at the same outcome, we want to perform well at the minimum to just maintain our social status in the group. And it could be investment banking. It could be in sports. It could be in music. It could even be in church, but maintaining whatever you need to maintain to make sure that you're fitting in with the group. That's social pressure. Right. That's an extremely powerful pressure that often we don't even realize is happening to us. Yeah. Uh, super, super. And then the other, the, and then another one is high investment. So simply, you know, making sure that, hey, you've got something on the line that you really care about. Yeah. It's an investment that you've made time, money, energy, and you want to see it pay off. And I think about investment different from consequence because people ask me sometimes, what's the difference between investment and consequence? Consequence is more about the downside. Investment is more about the upside, meaning I see this as paying off huge for me. I see this as paying off financially or even reputationally in a big, big way. So that's how I think about investment different from consequence. So you think about these five factors and you put them together and you realize, wow, yeah, that's sort of what we're talking about when we mean accountability. Let's tie it back into the topic of focus because sometimes yes. I'll talk about accountability and people will see accountability as being totally disconnected from focus, but really the connection is so clear to me and I want to make it super explicit. When we're trying to create and maintain a series of uh, a space of focus, it's really existing on multiple dimensions. F focus is coming from creating an environment where we don't get interrupted. And that is almost in a rich environment, right? You can enroll other people, you can restructure your environment, but it's also coming from within us. Yes. Do we see ourselves as needing to do the work that we're doing because there's high consequence? Are we doing it because we're fitting in in a social way? Have we created the kind of social structures where doing the, our best work is is tantamount to us fitting into our social group? Do we have a high investment? And this is the key because I think this is where most people break down. They're doing the work to get a paycheck, but they no longer see it as paying off big. Totally. They, they, don't, they don't say like, this is fulfilling my mission in the world. Yeah, right. Quick example, our book. Yes, perfect. 
right? I mean, I mean, you could go through all of these and, and think, okay, yeah, I mean, the book was such a bummer in so many different periods. It was a joy at other <laughs> periods, but there were so many periods with the, if I was just writing the book to get a paycheck, I would have been like, Ugh, no. Right. But what got me through that period? Well, because I knew it was leverage, because I knew it could pay off really big for our business, because I knew it was moving our mission forward in the right. world. And so because of that, it brought me forward into a state of focus where the current was well, pushing behind me. Exactly. Well, I'll, I'll even add to that because some people might think of book writing as like, oh, I'm going to go to like a cabin and just like, you know, this book is just going to like flow out of me. And we were, we'd hoped that would be the case, you know, but we're busy. It's like, we got to run a business. We have family, we have life. So what ended up really forcing us to that point where we're like, oh, we got to get it done was, you know, hiring a publishing service. So then it's like, okay, we paid these guys. We have to fulfill, we have to deliver the manuscript by a certain date. Yeah. And then we went ahead and uh, committed ourselves after the date we wanted to publish the book. So then we were like, oh, well, we have to publish the book by this date now. And so we really tried to create an environment where it wasn't just us in a bubble trying to write this book. It was like our entire environment was like motivating us to get this so, final. So, so high difficulty level, first time we ever wrote a book. So super high difficulty novelty, new, never written a book before, um, you know, social pressure. We basically put ourselves in a place where we told everybody in our community, we're writing a book. And of course, if you don't, people are going to be like, whatever happened to that book right. that you said you were going to write, you know, obviously investment, right? We, we put money on the line, skin in the game, but also the, we saw a huge payoff totally, on the yeah. horizon and then consequence, meaning, man, if we don't, deliver on this, we're going to lose the money we invested in the PR firm. I'm just going to make tens of thousands right. of dollars, but also reputationally a big consequence. Yeah. And again, it wasn't about penalizing ourselves. It wasn't, that wasn't like a, like a negative pressure. It was a positive pressure. Yes. It made us more excited to just get to it. And even during the parts that were boring or maybe a little bit of a slog, it's like we still were able to push through those moments. This is what I think people get so wrong about focus is they're working focus from the outside in instead of the inside out. Right. They're trying to play these little games. And, and we teach one of the coolest little games in the industry, the sticky focus game. And I love it and I swear by it. But you have to understand what's underneath it. Right. Right. And there's nothing that's ever going to beat intrinsic motivation. And intrinsic motivation will lead to intrinsic focus. Everybody knows that that moment in your life where somebody interrupts you or something interu interrupts you and you say, thank God I wanted to get distracted. Right. Thank God I needed a distraction right now. And there's the moments where you get distracted. And you're like, get out of here because I really want to focus on this. And the, the subtle difference between those two emotions is that in one case, you are intrinsically motivated to focus and get this work done for your own reasons. And in the other case, you're sort of just slogging through because you have to, you have a sense of obligation. Right, exactly. So you want to do whatever you can to get yourself to that place where you are actively trying to stay focused, right? Not just sort of like in your work day at the whim of all these distractions. Yeah. So, so we're going to close this sort of first part of the podcast out and just conclude by saying environment trumps willpower every single time. And in fact, what a lot of people say is their willpower is actually their environment creating the illusion of intrinsic motivation. Right. And that is a mind twister. You might have to rewind <laughs> the podcast and go back. But, but the illusion this of is willpower. What people, I mean, I'll tell you what, it took us 10 years to get to a point where we were able to create this distinction 
that so many people who think they're operating from willpower are actually operating, they're getting intrinsic motivation from the environment they put in, but their lived sensation is that it's coming from within. And that's what's great about yes. enriched environments, but that's also what creates misattribution in enriched environments. Right. Cool. Now, this leads, and I think, right to the next one. I'm going to tee you up on this next topic, which is, you know, really what's happening here is that somebody's, by working from the outside in, they're, they're hyper-focusing on niche tactics or niche tools without really understanding what makes those tools work in the right environment? Like the foundations, the principles, like how, and then the problem with that is if you only understand tactics, you can't figure out how to apply those principles to other areas of your life. Because the idea is when you're building a workflow that you have a, a really great foundational understanding of how your workflow is built and you've, you've constructed it in a very purposeful way. Um, but if you overfocus on tactics, then you aren't going to be able to really build a workflow. It's it's going to be just a series of tactics all sort of yeah. pieced together. Yeah, and and I, it's funny. This is something we've really been talking about privately between me and you. Is that sometimes you can have this frustration where you'll teach the same tactic, and half of the people will be like, "This saved my life," and the other half of the people will be like, "I don't get it." And you're like, I just, or even somebody who doesn't get it for months and months will all of a sudden come into you and say, I get it now. And, right. and that's really frustrating as a coach to be like, what happened there? Right. What took somebody from a place of like, I just don't get it to I get it. And I think what's really happening is they finally had an aha moment and connected to the principles underneath that. So let's make this really specific, Carrie. Like let's, let's take a, a, something that we teach, like a tool or a tactic and let's unpack the ideas underneath it so that somebody could maybe have that aha moment. Yeah, great. So why don't we take the sticky focus game? Yeah, okay. So sticky focus game, for those of you who might not have heard about it, it's super simple. You know, you lay out a sticky focus. I'm not going to try to reteach it here, but it's basically like Pomodoro's technique on steroids gamified to the nth degree where you're using sticky notes, writing down what you're supposed to do, and then using a timer to really race yourself. And the the the... Actually, I won't talk about the principles because that's the point. Right. That's the, the point. The point here is that sometimes people are like, wait, it's a, it's a sticky note, but why do I use a sticky note instead of my online to do? Can I right. do this online? Where do I put the sticky notes and what order do I put the sticky notes? And you can see what's happening here is they have, they're trying to slam dunk before they can even dribble. Yeah. Like they are, they're going to the very end and asking very advanced questions about a technique that they don't even understand what or, the right. foundation well, principles are. And I think what you're saying is they wouldn't even have those questions if they understood the foundations. Exactly. If they, if they had the foundations, then they would know how to modify it already to suit them however way they want because they know what's going to make it work and what won't make it work. So let's let's deconstruct this. What are the foundations that the Sticky Focus game are based upon? Okay, so one of the foundations is that you are creating an environment where you're not being distracted. Yeah. So however you want to create that environment is up to you. People do yeah. it in a ton of different ways. We recommend, of course, turning off your phone, turning off your browser notifications, being in a quiet place with a closed door, wearing over-the-ear headphones. Like there's so many things, but you don't have to necessarily do exactly that. It's really up to the person doing that timed work block 
hey, okay, what environment is going to be, you know, least distracting for me? So let's wrap that up in a title of foundation. Principle number one is fall into focus. We have a belief that if you just really block distractions, you don't have to force yourself to focus. That focus is a natural result of blocking distractions. So that's principle number one. The second is gamification, right? Totally. Yeah. Gamification means that you're bringing the principles of game mechanics to something that is otherwise boring, like work. So something that we're usually very serious about and it's not supposed to be fun. We're trying to actively make it fun. And now in the game, we suggest doing that by racing yourself, right? Using yeah. a timer, keeping score, trying to work as fast as you can or finish the project within a certain time frame. But it's not about winning or losing based on that specific criteria. You know what I mean? Like, it's not about like, did you do it within 45 minutes? If it was 46 minutes, you suck. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. not, it's not as like literal as that. It's more about, Hey, are you creating the sensation in your brain that this is fun? Yes. And, and what's great about playing the sticky focus game is you, many people know I'm very strict with myself. If I even get distracted once inside of a focus block, I do not count that as a, as a, as a sticky focus session that I won. However, I'm always better off when I try than when I don't. So what's great about this game is, and I say this till I'm blue in the face, you win even when you lose. Yeah, no matter what, you win. That's a classic example of somebody misunderstanding. Right. Because when they don't understand that, dude, I win even when I lose just by trying. Even if I get distracted two times, it would have been 40 times if I wasn't even or trying. A real, a real common one is they're like, well, I didn't get the task done within that time to work block, so I lost. It's like... It's not about getting it done or not because projects are of various sizes and, you know, it could take you an hour and 15 minutes, not exactly an hour. It took you 46 fine. minutes instead of 45. It doesn't matter. It, the point is, are you using the game mechanics built into the, the sticky focus game to focus? It's about it's about your lived experience of work in the moment, not about milestones or accomplishments or whatever it might be. But again, people don't get that when they... They focus on the the tail, not the dog. Right. right? Yeah. They, they start from the tail and start working in. What is this creature? I don't understand what this creature is. It, it, I get it. So, so if we know that it's about falling into focus, if we know that it's about gamification, if we know that, frankly, we win even when we lose, then so many of the questions, concerns, confusions that happen later on in Sticky Focus game right. just never materialize. Right. So, like, for example, somebody wouldn't ask the question, oh, well, could I do it in... 30 minute blocks instead of 50 minute blocks. Like, yeah, of course you can. You can do it in however, you know, amount of time that you want. Um, well, another principle that we didn't talk about is the principle of rewards, right? Like giving yourself uh, that pleasure center of your brain a reward for that good behavior. So a lot of people will skip that part about the game. Yeah, They're yeah, like, yeah, oh, it's... I get it. It's about focusing. Like, I got it. I'll just keep going. I'll do Except a four I'll cut hour the most important block. part off. I'll cut reward. the, yeah, I don't need that. I'm like strong. I got like good willpower, you know, so I don't need that part. And then they, it stops working for it them. Literally pulled the plug on the whole thing. Right. And it's like, well, it, you know, because we're trying to reward your brain, you know, even the limbic center of your brain for good behavior, essentially. Okay. Now let's extend this even further. If somebody really powerfully knew the concepts underneath the sticky focus game, um, then what would they, what would they be able to create? For themselves. Yeah. So I think what you're talking about is like, would they be able to extend it to other areas of their life? Uh, yeah, exactly. So if somebody really powerfully knew about gamification and falling into focus, how could they extend that beyond the sticky focus game into tons of different areas in their life? Yeah. So they, I mean, they could find new and novel uses 
for even timed work blocks. Um, they could find different ways of doing it. Like for example, you could have a, a, a work block when you're going to the gym and trying to motivate yourself to get to the gym and put your put your gym shoes on. You could have one for cleaning the house, you know, make it into a game, make it more fun. You could find more, you know, fun ways to be with your sons and daughters at home by like turning everything into, you know, different things into a game. Yeah, right? a, a, a classic one for me is there's, there's two classic examples. Um, one is um, for me, you know, whenever you're getting ready and I'm sort of sitting around bored, instead of pestering you and saying, are you ready yet? Are you ready yet? I'll just sort of say, okay, Carrie, how long do you think you're gonna take? You'll say another 15 minutes. And great, I'll put a timer on my phone for 15 minutes and I'll go into the kitchen and be like, how much of the kitchen can I clean in 15 minutes? Now, it changes the whole dynamic of like, oh, I'll just go clean the kitchen. Because whenever I set out to clean the kitchen, it's like the slowest. <laughs> uh, and I'm hating it. You're hating like, it. Oh. Yeah, you really. But somehow, the second that I turn on a timer and say, I wonder how much of a dent I can put in the kitchen in 15 minutes, it brings out this whole other side of me. Yeah. So one of the tools we love that you can use to create sort of a more digitally enriched environment is called Focusmate. And Focusmate is an online tool that pairs you with an accountability buddy, a real person that is also doing a timed work block in that same moment. And you can use that in some really creative ways. Like you can you can use it sort of similar to the sticky focus game, but you can also use it for gym buddies. You could also use it for uh, whatever, meal prepping. We've had clients use it for all sorts of different things just because it's such an easy way to create that positive pressure around you and enable you to focus on something. Yeah. Just to be clear though, to people who are listening, we just jumped topic, right? So the first topic was sticky focus game is based on the principles of gamification and falling into focus. You just sort of seamlessly, but I wanna make sure that we mark it off. You just seamlessly went into another important thing, which is Focusmate. And people, we offer Focusmate included for every single tribe member and a minority of people take advantage of it. But those minority people are our most successful yep. in the tribe and the happiest in tribe. So we go blue in the face trying to be like, try to use this Focusmates thing. And people will use it and not understand it or not really be able to utilize it to its fullest. And really, you just pointed out, Focusmate is about creating an enriched environment around anything. Right. around your evening routine for getting to bed. You could create a focus mate session every single night for 30 minutes to get accountability around your bedtime routine or your wake up routine or going to the gym or pre-planning, right? So focus mate is literally a digital embodiment of creating accountability and enriched environment around any activity, anywhere, anytime. Right. And so when you understand that, you, all of these downstream questions that might come up around Focusmate go away. Right. Like who, well, who is going to, who is going to be my Focusmate buddy? You know, do I care about them? Like that doesn't matter. Like, well, like, okay, so it's only for deep work, but I can't use it for shallow work. Wait, what? No, of course you could use it for shallow work. Right. Oh, but it's only for work. It's not for personal. No, you could use it. But these questions end up becoming like never ending. I realize now because they just don't understand the principle, right. which is bringing an enriched environment digitally to you for anything that you need it for, right? which is tremendous, like, absolutely I mean, tremendous. You could use it to relax. Like if you have trouble relaxing or like getting off of work on time, you could literally schedule a focus mate session to make sure that you are relaxing. Yeah. Or, or I, okay, let me use a couple of really out there examples that have been really successful. I have one person who has a really hard time at stop stopping their work totally. at five o'clock. And so what they'll do is from four to five every single day, they schedule a focus mate session for their wrap up of work. 
And so they'll get on the session and say, what are you doing? Oh, I'm working on a book. And that other person will say, what are you doing? This is my end of work wrap up. I need to wrap up and be done and walk out by the time this focus made session is done. Right. And so you created that social consequence. You created that positive pressure to be like, okay, now the time is running and I've got somebody witnessing this. I really need to get this done. It really kicks you into a completely different mindset. I also want to talk about other ways you can create digital sort of enriched environments. Okay. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite being creating, say you're you know inside of a bigger company and you're trying to create an environment for all of your team members that's encouraging the, you know, the right level of focus at every moment. Exactly. Most office environments are just sort of like a free for all of communication and people are trying to understand what other people are doing, but it's not really clear, especially at high levels. There's not a lot of transparency, but some companies now have these digital dashboards. Yeah. It's just a dashboard. It's just a digital, it's like, you know, something that anybody can see at any time in their task management or project management software, something like that. And it simply lists their, their core metrics or their core goals with the persons who is responsible at the end of the day for delivering on that goal. And people can just see what the progress is and yeah. are they on track, are they off track? It's so easy. Um, a lot of times this is done wrong. Uh, there's a lot of great examples of uh, people choosing the wrong goals or wrong KPIs and everyone is just so focused on delivering against them that they sort of like lose the forest for the trees. Um, but of course you can use this so powerfully within an organization to create that positive pressure, that accountability, that recogni recognition of people doing good work. Um, and it's just, for me, that's like the number one thing that all companies should have right now is a digital dashboard yeah. where all goals are completely transparent. Yeah, I mean, even if you just had a you know, green light, yellow light, red light classification so that you could really easily see amongst all team members and everybody could sort of exert social pressure on each other, like, are you red, yellow, or green right now in terms of your biggest KPIs for the company? That simple thing, you know, it's so funny. Is everybody checking every day and saying, oh, Carrie's on, in the yellow? No, but you feel it. Right. You're checking You're your checking own every line. Day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> You're checking every day. You feel it. You're you're like, oh my god, I'm yellow. Everybody must be thinking about you. In truth, no, no, they're no. probably not. But it, but it still exerts a lot of positive pressure on you to be like, I want to get into the green. And so this is another way that's completely separate from focus mates to create that kind of enriched environment for your team. Right. Exactly. I love 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 that example. Awesome. Okay. So let's just wrap it up here, shall we? For yeah. Today. So you know, I think what got us curious today was just this idea of like, what is it? When we have a simple concept or a simple tool that we know works, what's the problem when somebody just seems to not get it? And I think for us, we've been talking a lot about this idea of like, maybe we need to go re-go back and reconnect them to the fundamental principles that this tool technique or technology is based on. Because 90% of the time when they never understood in the first place what the principles were that Focusmate is built on or that great a communication policy is built on or that the sticky focus game is built on. It's almost like they're doomed to like, like fumble with it in a confused way for like their entire life. Or, or, or just sort of like 
cast judgments on it because they're like, oh, well, I don't like the idea of getting on with a real person. You know, that's not doesn't sound good for me. Yeah. But if you knew the foundations of what it does for you, maybe you would change your mind about that. So, I, yeah. And so you're going to be doing a whole training in Tribe this month that's all about how to then block internal and external distractions yeah. and achieve that level of focus without having to use willpower and how exactly to do that, including communication policies. Yes. Uh, which again, one of those things that you got to understand the foundations before you knock the tactic. Yes. yes. So gang, if you're in tribe, make sure to come this month to our training on getting your focus back, creating environments of focus and really understanding the principles underneath so that you can really masterfully use the tools that we're empowering you with. Thanks so much for listening. Drop us a comment below. What are your techniques for dropping into focus? We would love to hear from you. And thanks again. Thanks again.